The Metis Tech Show. Welcome to the Metis Tech Show, a show for HVAC professionals by HVAC professionals. The Metis Tech Show. B2BC. I'm going with the dry rub. The only way to go. Dry rub. Dry rub. Kansas City. Okay. I like Texas dry rub. Yeah. Dry rub is good. Paul, what about you? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter me, what your answer I just is. Don't okay. li- I just don't like it with sauce on it. I just like it the way it is. I don't really like sauce. On the side? Just plain no, salt? No, not even on the side. Salt and pepper. I like the flavor without the sauce. Yeah. yeah I like a dry rub. First, so I, first dry what, rub. I what's included in the dry rub? Spices. Spices. Yeah. Pepper. Pepper. Paprika. Canyon pepper. Okay. Yeah. Good dry rub. So, but what kind of meat do you? Uh, I mean, I, I like I like the um, I like ribs or oh, the brisket. brisket. Well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I was I was at a place called I'll tell you later in Kansas City, and I had lamb, oh. lamb ribs, oh. and at wow. the end of it, the flavor of the lamb just came right in. It was amazing. You know what was the killer there? The cream corn. The best oh, really? in the world. Cream corn. Nah, I'm not crazy about cream corn. I, I mean, they were mine until I, I ate like that cream corn. corn. Oh, give me the brisket. Give me the burnt ends. Yeah. Burnt ends oh, with oh, mac yeah. and cheese. Oh, oh, yeah. I like the cornbread. Yep. Corn. Okay. All yeah. right. I think All I just right. gained two pounds. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Metis Tech Show. So, Roland and Paul, thank you for joining us. Today. Thank, thank, thank today. you for having me, guys. Yeah. Okay. So, what is the topic on this one? Uh, today, we're going to talk about the best piping practices. Okay. So, you know, going into this, we had a a discussion. We discussed this in our training, and uh, we really spent a lot of time in in showing or relating how important it is to handle the refrigerant piping properly Uh, because we know that three of the major causes of compressor failures are moisture, lack of lubrication, and debris. And Mm -hmm. so... Uh, this 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 podcast should prevent that from happening, or at least we we get across the importance of keeping a tight, clean, dry system. Yeah, that's huge because you're just like if your arteries were, were clogged, your heart's going to give out after a while. And we all know the compressor's the heart of the system. If you get anything in there that it shouldn't be in there, the compressor's going to stop. So we don't want to give that system a heart attack. And I've seen. Um People stock and pipe in their vehicles and, you know, just completely kicking around, opened, um, just unprotected, unprotected. So let's talk about the kind of pipe, Ron. What should we be using when we're installing any refrigeration system? Well, we got choices of soft drawn and hard drawn, but all the pipes should be labeled right on an ACR tubing. That's it. That's the only thing we use um, and for any type of refrigeration connection. And ACR stands for air conditioner refrigeration piping, which is specifically Mm -hmm. for that type of application. And it's cleaned and it's sealed. And And it's dehydrated. It's dehydrated. And it's important. It stays sealed until you're ready to connect it to the system. Uh So we shouldn't be using um, uh, plumbing uh, copper. No, absolutely not. No, No, for many reasons. Because I've seen that happen before. No, we can't use that. Okay. So, I mean, what about the piping when we install it? They both should be insulated, correct? Yes. Absolutely. With the correct size insulation on it, by the way. Yes. I've, I've seen pipes with the wrong size and condensation just ends up draining 
on the outside of that pipe to the lowest point. Yeah, and different parts of the country have different codes for the thickness they, yeah, of right. that insulation. And and it's it's worth mentioning that they have to be insulated individually. I've I've seen cases where people will put the two pipes together in the same insulation, insulate them both yeah. together. And now we uh, obviously that creates a yeah. heat exchanger. We don't want that. Yeah. And what has been the experience uh, of you two gentlemen on using uh, copper tubing or or line sets with flares already in them? Because you know my installers uh, don't make correct flares and they don't want to have to take the time to do so. Well, I think that uh, as far as the flare nuts are concerned, we, we typically like to use a matched flare nut off the piece of equipment. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that those flares on those uh, pre-flared tubes aren't perfect. They probably are, but it's more so on the flare nut is what we're concerned about. Yeah. And our equipment does come with flare nuts. Right, right. If you look at the flare nut that comes on a, a pre-flared um, line set and you compare that to the flare nut that comes with the equipment, Use the one that's thicker, that's meatier, that's stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. Use that one. If 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 the thin one is on the line set, absolutely cut it off and make your own flare. And you know, and flaring I think has a stigmatism with it. People think, oh, I'm, I stink at flaring. But there are tools out there now. And I'm not going to mention any of the manufacturers, mm-hmm. but there are plenty of tools out there. They make a perfect flare every time. It deburs the end of the pipe for you. They're really, they're really. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're idiot proof. Right. Can I say idiot proof? Yeah, but just sure. don't don't look at me when you say. Oh, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, both, we both looked at Roland when you said that. that. I've known you a long time. It's just a oh habit. Oh my god, I'm a victim of circumstance. We were just wondering if you improved any. Yeah, and as far as the flare nuts are concerned, too, I've actually taken a look at uh, uh, two of them side by side one time, and I was like, holy cow, there's a there's a major, not a little difference. There's a major difference between the two. And the thing about flaring, you know, once again, you can get all the fancy flaring. Uh, tools you want, but it's just prep. It's just prepping that pipe and taking your time. And I always say to, you know, back when I was a boss, I used to always tell my guys, if you don't look at that flare and say, that's perfect, okay? If you say, yeah, it's pretty darn good, I could have, the minute that hesitation comes in there, cut it out. Do another one. Yeah, right. And the bottom yeah. line is that's your, that's your final connection in some case. You got to make sure it's right. Yeah, and if you do it right, it it won't leak. Right. Yeah. One thing that um, there's, I finding a lot of confusion in in our classes is when we talk about lineset.com pre flared, and they come with that red cap, and they think when I asked the the group in the class, I asked them, well, what is that red plug for? And most of the answers I get are, well, that's what keeps the trash and the humidity from going in the cap in, in the copper pipe. And I tell them, no, we, that, that's the purpose of that red cap or plug is to protect the threads of the flare nut. Mm-hmm. Because if you remove that red plug and you look inside the flare, you will see there's a rubber plug inserted inside the copper tube. So if you're thinking that red plug is what that rubber plug is doing, you're going to leave that rubber plug in there. Mm. You're going to make the connection. You're going to start the equipment, and that rubber plug is going to end up somewhere in the system, probably at a strainer. I want to talk about those threads for a second, because I've seen people out there actually use like pipe dope on Mm -hmm. the threads. So on a flare fitting, where is the actual seal? At the flare. Between the brass and the copper. copper. Correct. Right? So is there any reason why anybody should be putting any type of pipe dope on the threads? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I agree. Absolutely not. There's no need. If it's leaking, and you guys mentioned it, if it's leaking, it's due to a bad flare. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The threads just hold the flare nut there. That's not where the seal is. The seal is where the flared copper meets the brass fitting. And right. another another good practice, what I do is when I line up my flare onto the unit, I kind of, I'll hold it with my hand and I won't have a tool at the time, but I'll kind of hold that centered right on that. And I'll, as much as I can, I'll, I'll hand tighten that before right. I put a couple right. wrenches on oh, sure. that. But we should be putting a little a dab of refrigeration oh, oil absolutely. on absolutely. that. Because what happens is when you've got two dissimilar metals uh, being touching each other, what are you creating? You're creating corrosion. Yep. And on top of that, that oil creates a hydrostatic seal, which helps prevent a leak, which mm-hmm. is what we're talking You're about. You're talking the oil, a little bit of oil, where the flare, the copper meets yes. the brass again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What about oil on the backside of the flare where the flare nut's going to be? Mm-hmm. The same thing. Same things. thing, yeah. 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 That prevents that prevents it from twisting. I, yeah. Can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many times oh, in, yeah. in the three decades I've been doing this, that especially early on as a young apprentice, I'm going to tighten a flare nut and the whole copper line twists. Yep. So what do you do? It's just dry. Yeah, so what do you do? You back it off until it untwists and just pray for the best. So that's yes. not the right way to do it. Yeah. The, the oil on the back of the flare where the nut meets the copper. And that makes sense because that's another brass to copper connection, yep. which is going to create corrosion, and it's a dry seal, and it's going to leak more right. than likely. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, prepping the tubing for, to make a flare. Okay. So obviously, you know, uh, if you're doing soft darn tubing, I'll, I'll talk about soft darn tubing. Uh, a lot of times I see people out there just talk down on their tube cutter. Nice and easy. Quarter turn, make four or five revolutions, quarter turn, four or five revolutions. Because uh, you really diminish the size of that um, on soft on tubing. And, you know, make sure you ream it out. Get all the burrs out of that. Um, I know that I have a uh, very fine file that after I burr it, I'll just file the top off just to smooth it off a little bit. Uh, sometimes you'll see it kind of looks like a little rough when the flare is done. Uh, deburr it. If I didn't do that, sometimes you take a real close look at it. It almost looks like there's a little bit of a gasket, copper gasket on the inside. So, again, everything to, you know, everything in order to make a perfect flare, you got to perfectly prep the flare. Okay. And then, you know, once again, if you, know, if you have a gauge on your flaring block, for your height, or if you have an older block where you're using the old, you know, a nickel or a dime, depending on the size of it, um, it, obviously you know what the gauges are, the height is, and then just compare that to the flare, slide it. At, at no time should that flare thread down uh, to the bottom of it. It should just kind of touch each one of the of the grooves as it's coming up and looking down the bottom, make sure it's covering most of that shiny beveled pot on right. the flare knot. Right. Prepping is everything. Yeah. And, and Paul, talking about flares, um, what have been, has been your experience in, in using flaring tools? The flaring tools, it has to be the right flaring tool. You know, there are flaring tools that are made specifically for 410A refrigerant. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, there are flaring tools out there that now make it so easy that you can't, it's very, you have to actually work harder to make a bad flare yep. than to make a good flare. Absolutely. If you want to find a, a good flaring tool, go to MitsubishiComfort.com, find a distributor. All of our distributors carry flaring tools. They carry all kinds of tools, torque wrenches, you know, nitron, nitrogen gauges, not nitron, nitrogen uh, gauges for the tanks and stuff. They carry everything. But they have the, the tools that you need. But the, like... Anything else in our industry, the right tool for the right job. I've got flares out there, and I know there's a, a lot of our audience out there have flares that have been there for decades that yep. just have not leaked. Right. 
That's because that's right. they're done right. Yeah, right. If you do it right the first time, it's mm-hmm. going to last. Yeah. Now, going uh, still talking about the flare, the flaring tool. I like the ones with the clutch. So we don't yeah. know our own strength, right. and and typically you get a, a young technician, and they're thinking, well, the harder I torque it, the 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 better it is. But what they don't understand is that what's going on, you're thinning that copper. So once you attach it to the brass fitting and you tighten the flare nut. Then you're cracking the tube, yeah, and that's there's your leak. And thinning it is weakening it, exactly, you know, and, right, and right. it will crack. And you know we've all had that happen. <clears throat> and if it leaks, then what they'll do is they'll go to their truck and get a 24 inch crescent wrench and a three foot pry bar and they'll <laughs> stand on it, hoping that it'll stop the leak. Well, let's let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. So yes. so when do you know you have the the flare nut tightened? enough how do we do that there's all, only one way yeah mylinkdrive.com it's all in the literature you got to go with a torque wrench a torque wrench to the yeah. proper setting mm-hmm. for the proper found, size flare nut found in the installation structure. and when it clicks stop turning yes That's right. and yeah. everything should be double wrenched yeah uh, use a backup wrench yeah right? backup wrench all the time uh, so we've talked about the flaring tool we've talked about using refrigeration oil we've talked about tar- uh, tightening with a torque wrench when it comes to bracing, let's let's talk a little bit about bracing. What should we look for regarding bracing? What should be done? Uh, well, the most important thing is that uh, we don't have oxidation inside the the system. There's only two things we want to see inside the refrigerant pipe. And I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but after we do the evacuation, we just want to see the refrigerant and the oil that comes with that refrigerant that's made specifically for that refrigerant inside the system so we've all braced pipe and you see the oxidation those black flakes on the outside of the pipe that the same thing happens inside the pipe and then and then 410a specifically will come along and scrub that right off the pipe clean it right off and we have strainers in our systems and now you're looking for a restriction now you're clogging that up so we need to remove the oxygen from inside that pipe when we're brazing. So we flow nitrogen. Well, it, I, it's funny because I, I don't know how many years ago it was and how long ago it was, but I remember seeing the first cutaway of a 90-degree copper tubing used with nitrogen inside during the brazing process and used without. And I looked at that, and I was just so amazed at the difference of how clean. the It was spotless, the inside of the... Uh, 90 cut and a half used in nitrogen was spotless, absolutely spotless. And the other one was, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I think that back in the old days, you know, we were all there. Um, I think the compensation that we used was called a filter dryer. Right. So we used that and, and, and you know, to, to actually to correct our mistake. And, 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 you know, if you look back nowadays, if you did what you were supposed to do then that we are recommending that you do now, you didn't even need a filter dryer back right. in those days because it would have been a dry system. And with nitrogen, those inside of those pipes are clean as a whistle. Yeah. With, that, with, with our 22, it wasn't as, as big a problem mm-hmm. as it is with 410A. That 410A actually scrubs the inside mm-hmm. of the pipe. It's going to make it nice and shiny and, and clean. Where with 22, hey, maybe some of those – Oxidation stays on the pipe inside, but we need to flow nitrogen anytime that we're brazing, putting a torch on there. Nitrogen removes the oxygen. Without oxygen, we cannot have oxidation. Yeah, and just to clarify on that, so so we're, we're running nitrogen through a pipe. You may read a lot of times, they'll say one to three PSI. 
That one to three PSI that they're talking about, is that the regulator? It's what your regulator is set for because you should actually, you should have no pressure in there because right. one of the ends of the pipe is open. Just barely flowing. It's, it's just, a, it's just a breeze. But so when you see that one to three, don't get confused with it. It's just what's set at the regulator. It's one to three flowing. We don't yeah, want flowing. any pressure built up right. where it's, where it's going to throw the, the filler metal right back right at back you. Right back at you at yeah. 1150 degrees. Um, I, I th- would you agree that's hot? It right. hurts a little. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. We'll say that's hot. Yeah. And while we're talking about uh, preparing the copper tubing, uh, we talked about cutting the flare nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time you, you cut copper, you create a lip inside mm-hmm. that copper tube. And we need to remove that lip. We call that debearing. Uh, so to remove that uh, burr, uh, we use a reamer. Mm-hmm. And then it's what do we need? We need to be careful where that burr goes. Absolutely. So we we make sure that we don't introduce that debris inside the pipe, right? Right. Right. As you mentioned, that's that's one of the causes of um, of com- compressor failures, you know. And we have had compressors that that we have taken and, and taken apart, and we found sand and sawdust and and copper shavings. And imagine copper shavings getting into the compressor and going on the windings. What do you think is going to happen there? Because it's going to start shorting things uh, out. Exactly. So yeah, and that's also friction in the inside of the housing, whether it's a rotor or you reciprocate and scroll. That's also going to be abrasive, yeah. abrasive, and that's going to start scoring up the uh, uh, cylinder walls as well. Right, right. right. And right. why are we finding sawdust and, and sand and gravel inside our compressors? Tracking right. the pipe. Through the back the jet side. Right. So the other yep. thing is that pipe has to be sealed. ACR right, comes right. sealed on both ends. It stays sealed until you're ready to make that final connection. Yeah, and in commercial applications, we see a lot, even residential down in Florida, we see a lot of pipes that ran underground. That are roughed yeah. in. Yeah, are yeah, roughed yeah, in yeah, and yeah. they're left yeah, open. And left like that for a while. Only God knows what goes in it. Yeah. yeah. You so know what? Yeah. And you know, and it's common to go in and rough a building, whether it's commercial or residential. You got the pipe sticking up through the roof, it's sitting there. And I've seen it many times on different job sites where somebody just puts a little bit of electrical tape. Yeah, it's outside. It's facing up. Now, mm-hmm. now the rain, the weather, the elements gets in yes. there. So please, folks, seal that pipe until yeah. it's ready to make that Either connection. Cap, uh, cap it if yeah. it's a uh, hard pipe, yeah. or if it's soft copper, you can pinch it and brace it. Yeah. Right, just seal it exactly. It's sealed to keep to keep all the junk out. Again, yeah. what are the two things we want to see inside the refrigerant pipe? Refrigerant and oil. And that and oil. is it. Nothing that more. That's it. And again, being careful to always to make sure that no rubber plugs remain inside that copper tube. So what about some additives? What about other additives that different people use to find leaks or, or, or make sure that the... Those are no-nos. Those are no-nos. Yeah, yep, that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about next. Right. What, what we don't want to use. So uh, we've, we, we have things that we don't want to see in the system, as Paul was saying. So on those were what? What are some of the things that we don't want to see inside the system? Uh, we don't want to see anything inside the system other than refrigerant and the oil. That's the oil specifically designed for that re- refrigerant. We don't want to see, we don't want to see uh, little pieces of solder in there. We don't want to see sawdust. We don't want to see sand. We don't want to see anything in there. Oh, and one thing, too. Uh, we don't want to see the rubber plugs, the plugs that come in the ACR. We've seen people put yeah, we couplings have. on there. And 
But the other thing we don't want to see in there is some of the things we don't use anymore are sight glasses. Like we right. don't, you know, yeah. back back in the day, you know, the R twenty two day, it was standard practice to have a sight glass uh, mounted right to the filter dryer. Right. You know, and and then you know, even some of them I'd braze them in. Some of them I'd actually get flared. It all depends on what I was doing at the time. You know, especially if I was up on a roof and I didn't want to haul up a tank, I'd get the flare one. It was the easier thing to carry up the roof. But we don't use those anymore at all. No sight glasses. And, no sight glasses. And, and, and no no filter dryers. No filter dryers. Also, don't use soft solder. Oh, Correct. absolutely not. Because for us to use soft solder, we have to use flux, mm -hmm. and where does the flux end up? Right. Inside, Inside the pipe. The absolutely. And that's a no-no. Now, a lot yeah. of people think that we don't use soft solder because of the pressure, but that has nothing to do with it. Because mm -hmm. stay bright. Stay bright will handle those pressures, mm -hmm. but it has flux in it, so that's a no-no. It's got to be braze. You got to exactly. braze. And even I'll just back up. We kind of might have missed this, but I still prep my pipe the same way I, I would if I was using flux. I still sand it, clean yes. it because oh, I got oxidation on it. Yep. And uh, I'll you know once again back to debris inside the pipe. Yep. When I'm reaming the pipe and sanding the pipe, I hold it facing down. Absolutely. And and if I can't, I'm going to take a dry rag, something that's not doesn't have a lot of fibers on it, wipe it off. And then the other thing too is that you know if I did have a lot of horizontal prep pipe, I was going to do, I'm going to blow it out with nitrogen before um, I actually have the nitrogen set up for one one to three psi for brazing. Right. Right. But, you know, another good point there, too. Yeah, many times in our classes we get asked, well, how about P-traps? Well, you know, there's the, the in industry um, standard rules or rules of thumb, whatever you want to call it, where for every certain feet of rise, you would put a, a trap in, in there for oil return. But with mm -hmm. the Mitsubishi systems, we don't require that. Right. If, if you pipe it properly, if you don't, don't exceed the maximum distances, if you don't exceed the maximum um, rises, uh, then the oil will return. If you use the right pipe size, the oil will return. So there's no need for those traps, you know, that industry standard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, limitation, separation. Stay, you know, once again, stay within the confines that you're supposed to, and traps aren't needed. Yeah. Now, regarding um, leak testing with uh, additives like dye to mm -hmm. find the leak, mm -hmm. uh, when I was in tech support, I used to get the call, uh, one, I'm going on a um, job site, and I know I've got a leak in it. And I asked, well, how do you know you've got a leak in it? And I said, well, I'm having to put refrigerant in it every so often. And I said, well, and, and they, they would tell me, I can't find the leak. And I'm, I, my first question was, what are you pressurizing up to? To, find the, to do the leak testing and guess what answers I would get. 250, 300, 350 pounds. Oh, I've even gotten less than that, 100, you know, 75 yeah. pounds. Yeah, and then you're not going to find a, a small leak with those pressures. No. And no. that's why we as a company recommend going up to 600 PSI, mm -hmm. which then will find a pinhole as a leak. And that's why we don't recommend any, any dyes, any additives to find a leak. There's a proper way of doing so. Look, and, all, all of us, I'm sorry, Roland, I didn't mean no. to step on you, but all of us have, have had those leaks that are mm -hmm. hard to find. You just got to put in the time, you know, a worst case scenario, I would never recommend putting in any of those dyes where you take an right. ultraviolet light and they come up a different color. And a little quick side note, the, I did that once as a young technician in the oh, field. I have to. And it was a system yeah. back when we were mm -hmm. using Stay Bright and come to find out all the flux glows green. Yep. So mm -hmm. I had a leak, or at least I thought <laughs> I did. But, you know, worst case scenario, I'll isolate this system. You know, yes. if, if I've got multiple indoor units, I may isolate the indoor units and the line set and the outdoor <laughs> unit, and I'm going to pressurize them all. 
and see where I lose that nitrogen. Worst case, if I had a leak that was one of those hard to find. Right, and I think that in the commercial end of it with the branch box systems, uh, a branch controller if it's on the commercial branch box, if it's on the M&P side, um, you can actually fill that all up with, say, 600 PSI of nitrogen, and then you can shut all your valves off. So when you come in, you're going to lose a little bit of pressure because you're moving your gauges around. But if you go to one branch connection and it's, you know, 595 PSI, another one's 597 PSI, then all of a sudden you hit one at 300 PSI, you know you're isolated right. to that one circuit. And, you know, it's, it's a smart thing to do as well. So now, we, you know, we have shown how critical proper uh, or best piping practices are to a, a to, a, to an installation, because it's all about the installation. Mm-hmm. The installation is where most of the problems are created. It's the most important day or absolutely. days, the most important mm-hmm. time in the life of the on the job. Yep. It's absolutely. Installed. So there's two areas that we need to always keep in mind as well when it comes to the proper installation, and that's the uh, the areas that I'm going to mention are found in the installation instructions. One being following piping limitations. Mm-hmm. Why do we have piping limitations? And so ensure oil return and proper operation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the other one is following vertical separation. That's the same thing. We want to make sure the oil return gets to the compressor. Mm-hmm. And those separations are going to be different whether the compressor is above or below right. the indoor units or the branch box. So we can't, we can't exceed that. Roland, where's the only place we really need the oil? It's in the compressor. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. That's the only, place, really the only place it belongs. That's it. It's the only place we need it. So to help us with all that, with piping limitations and vertical separation, is there something at our disposal that we can use, Roland? Listen, listen, people out there. We have a free software program for you in MyLinkDrive.com. It's called Diamond System Builder. We call it DSP. Diamond System Builder on that vertical um, separation on piping limitations, it's going to show you uh, whether or not you've gone over. Once again, if you did go over, uh, you're going to have a round red circle with a line going through it. So you're going to know right off the bat that you need to make some changes, some sort of altercation to stay within those limitations. So Diamond System Builder, you got to go to it. You, you, know, you know what my favorite thing about Diamond System Builder is, Ron? It's free. No, besides that. Oh, no. It tells me how much refrigerant I need to add without me oh, having to do math. Exactly. And you know that math is my weakness. Uh, well, y'all weakness? Mine too. Talk to Juan about Mine this. too. I run out of fingers on toes. The shoes um, come right off. You All know right. what my favorite thing about this podcast has been? The learning math? No. Oh. Not being able to cough, yet I started to cough. <laughs> well, you, the, listen, we're in a cold climate right now. It's okay. All right. It, it, you know, it happens. Yeah. So here's what I would like for the three of us to do. Our last tagline is keep it clean, tight, and dry. I would like for the three of us to do it in unison. Can we do that? I don't know what you want, to, what you want me to do here. I'm confused. Can we go to say keep it clean, tight, and dry at the same time? You ready? I'm ready. All right. One, two, two, three. Keep, keep it clean, clean tight, and dry. Wait, is that the end of the show? Yeah. We're over. 